You're listening to a sermon from Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We exist to extend the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are reading out of Revelation 3, 14 through, uh-oh, 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold nor hot. So that because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning that we all get to gather together as a church body, unified, through you. I pray for Ryan, these words that he will preach, Lord. I pray that you will give us soft hearts, that you will humble us before you, that we would have hearts that are open to see the sin in our lives and to have the courage to confess that in the necessary ways. And Lord, if you, if we need to be encouraged by your words, if we need to be built up by them, I pray that your work of the Holy Spirit will work in each and every one of these hearts to accomplish your purposes and your will. I also want to pray for Central Middle School, Lord, as the school year is kicking off. I just thank you so much for this space and our relationship we have with the staff and the faculty that has allowed us to just use their space and them to be gracious enough to do that. I pray that as the school year proceeds, that you will just be on the hands of the staff and the students and all the teachers. Lord, that your words would permeate their hearts also, that if there's a way that we can minister to them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would take each and every opportunity that is given to us. I pray as we go throughout this week that we would not forget the words that are preached by Ryan that you have placed on our hearts. I pray that we will carry those throughout our week in a way that can show light to the city of Lawrence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning, my name is Ryan. I've been attending uh, Free City for almost eight years now, which is amazing. Um, I say this to my city group a lot, I don't know if I say it here, like we have like this unicorn of a church that's just so magical and it's amazing and and we have friends that have moved elsewhere and, and they come back and they're just like, man, the community that is Free City. And I just, 
absolutely. It's amazing. It's great. And so thank you guys for coming this morning. If you're a student and you're back for the first time or here for the first time, welcome. So glad you guys are here. So glad that you're starting the semester off the best way possible, getting involved in a local church. So this morning we are going to be in Revelation chapter 3. Um, for the next, so last week, this week, and the week after that, we're taking a pause from Psalms, and then before we go into Matthew again, if you've been tracking with us last semester, um, we're, we're in uh, just, it sounds, it could sound like three random sermons, right? Last week was Second Chronicles, Old Testament, like deep Old Testament knowledge that was dropped, right? Here we're at the end of the book, right? And it's apocalyptic maybe, that's a little scary. And then I think next week we're doing John. Uh, it seems random, but it's not because we have our Bible reading plan at Free City called Seeing Jesus Together. It is a wonderful, wonderful program. And what it does is, and it's as simple as you download an app. We don't own it, we just use it, right? So you download an app, just if you search in your app store, SJT, um, it's really easy. The, the, the Bible reading populates in that app. You can read it for that day. We have journals in the back. We sell them for, I think, $15. Am I correct on that? No, I'm just finding Maggie. There she is. Yes. $15. We sell those at cost. They're not making money on this. Um, but that's to kind of take us through a deep relationship to where God's people are in God's word on the daily, right? We are in God's word. It has an Old Testament a New Testament every single day, and then on Saturdays we do the Psalms, and then Sunday you go to church. Uh, but this, if you are in a Bible reading plan, the sermon that we're going to preach today was actually Friday's Bible reading, right? In the book of Revelation, it is, um, it, the first three chapters of Revelation are actually an amazing understanding of, of what's happening. So John uh, is on the Isle of Patmos, right? He is writing these, he is caught up in a vision, and he, then he hears from the Lord to write down what he sees. And what he sees are um, uh, somebody holding seven stars in their hand and seven lampstands. And he says, write to the seven lampstands, which are the seven churches, right? And so he names the churches. The churches are all in what is modern-day Turkey, right, in that, in that uh, Asia area, and these cities represented along with a was an established trade route. So if one church got this, it's very possible that somebody could hear the message in, in one of those places, Ephesus, for, for instance, and then go around and uh, see here at Laodicea, and, and they could go around, and there is an established trade route, Philadelphia, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in the Bible, I, I want to say this, and this is like we're gonna, this is how long we're spending on this is this next little part. Um, the, the number seven in the Bible tends to represent the, the number of completion, right? So uh, later in the Book of Revelation, they talk about the sevenfold Spirit of God, and so you can get super into that and what exactly that means. What it means is the number seven is saying that there is a complete spirit of God. And so when he says to the seven churches, write to the seven churches, it is logical for us to deduce that he is writing to the whole church, the complete church. And each one of these letters to the church has either instructions, corrections, rebukes, encouragement, and they're the lampstands. And, and to understand this, Matthew 5, Jesus says of his people, you are a city on a hill. You don't hide the lamp, but you shine it. 
And as those people have taken Jesus' message into the world, that city on a hill, that lampstand, he's addressing those around the world. He's addressing the church. So this morning, you and I are hearing a message that was for a church in Laodicea, but it's also for us. There's no, oh, but you know, it's for us, which is important. A few years ago, while I was at work, um, we were working through some leadership development things, and I just kind of took on a big leadership position, and we're trying to develop others into leadership positions. And as we're going through it, we looked at, has anybody ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Anybody in here? Armchair psychologists, anybody? Like three people. Awesome. We're going to teach you. So there's a chart up here. The Dunning-Kruger effect um, simply says that when we start off, so you're here, we start off knowing nothing. As soon as we ascend into some level of knowledge, we peak and say we're masters of that knowledge. This isn't for you to point out your friend. This is you, all right? This is us. All right, so uh, another chart I have, I didn't think it was important. It says peak of Mount Stupid. Uh, That's my favorite one, but Mount Know-It-All is good, right? And then it's not until you are met with the reality that you don't know it all that you start to understand you have flaws. (laughs) (laughs) And true, deep knowledge, true, true, deep mastering of abilities and tasks does not start until we recognize that we don't know it all. So this morning, I I think you and I can maybe find ourselves on this chart. And what is happening is Jesus is approaching the church in Laodicea, and he's saying, you started knowing nothing, and real quick, after they came to know Jesus, they said, I'm good. I don't need you. And Jesus is addressing us this morning through this epidemic. You see, the church in Laodicea, they weren't unchristian. They would call themselves Christians. I bet you they attended church. Like, because they're writing a letter to the people that are going to the church. Right? But in their day, how they approached God was more as an accessory than the core. And so this morning, we want to look at uh, the, the church in Laodicea, what it means for us, and what Jesus is talking through to us. We want to look at a church who on the outside is prosperous, but dead on the inside, and see what true prosperity looks like for a Christian. So this morning, we're going to do that in the three parts. The first part is we're going to look at the sin. What is the sin? Second, what is the grace that Jesus offers? And the third is, how do we endure? How do we how do, we do it? Um, so let's pray real quick, and then we'll just jump right into it. God, I, I just, I have those words of, of verse 22, that he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God, would you open our ears this morning? God, that we would be moved not by uh, passion, but by your words, by your words, the same words 
that created the same words that spun the earth into existence, the same earth that said to Lazarus, come out of the grave, the same words that said, take up your mat and walk, the same words that said to my heart, you are mine. God, would you grip our hearts with your words this morning? Would you open our ears to hear what you are saying? Amen. Laodicea is located about 10 miles west of Colossae and 6 miles south south of Heropolis. My dad is in the room this morning. He is a navigator. He used to be a navigator for the Navy. I don't know which way is west or north from where I'm standing right now, but just pretend I'm pointing in the correct directions. There, okay. It's up, right? No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Um, In Colossae, they're fed by a river, and that river is uh, coming through mountains. It has uh, cold, amazing water. Last week, uh, during our awesome heat wave that is just super awesome, I don't know, it's just fun to be in 100 million degrees, uh, I, we turned the air, I sneakily turned the air way down in my house, uh, my wife didn't know about it, uh, and in about three in the morning, I wake up, and all our kids probably woke up too because they're shivering, but in our bathroom sink, the, the, the vent blows right on the pipes, so at three in the morning, I was thirsty, and I go to the bathroom, and I had, I'm going to tell I had the coldest drink of water I've had outside of artificially putting ice in it that I've had in probably eight months. It's amazing. I just, oh, thank you, Jesus, right? I, I appreciate it so much, almost as much as my daughter, uh, Hannah, would appreciate it on the other end that my kids don't like snow, they like hot cocoa, right? Uh, so they will go out in the snow so that they can come in for hot cocoa, and they, they get all red and cute and, you know, whatever, a little Eskimo-like, and then they come in, and then my wife has the tea kettle on, and we put in the hot cocoa, and the just warm, and it soothes, right? So Colossae has that cold water. Hierapolis has the hot springs, right? To this day, 95 to up to 212 degrees hot springs that come out of the ground. It, and I'm not even joking. It was the retirement community of the early age, like, tur- like turn of the millennia, not turn of the century, turn of the millennia, people would go there to retire, To contrast the cold and the hot, Laodicea is kind of in the middle of those two. Laodicea, um, though it's on a river, it actually had an advanced aqueduct system that was fed um, further south through them by, um, by, uh, by another hot spring. Now, uh, that hot spring is about five miles long, uh, or sorry, the aqueduct is about five miles long, and it flows up to um, Laodicea. And so this is several commentaries I read, uh, so I'll just say this. They say that the water, because of the advanced piping system, aqueducts weren't like a a brand new thing. A lot of cities around there had them. But what the the advanced water system did with the length and had some pressure issues and all that kind of stuff, is it left a, A, the temperature of the water wasn't great. 
but then also it had like sediment that, that people would report that they threw up because of their water. Yeah, so that's how long we're going to spend on that. Uh, Laodicea, contrast to, from Colossae and Heropolis, lukewarm, right? Make sense? Laodicea was also a very prosperous city, key in these trade routes right there. They had uh, advanced banking systems, so they had money. They had fashion sense, right? And they had uh, kind of optometry, like people would come all the way around for their optometry, early, early people, opt- first century. So these citizens were wealthy, fed, and clothed, and they could see. So what's the sin? right? So let's jump into this. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 315. It's also going to be behind me. So if you look at the Laodiceans, you see a prosperous people, yet their letters point out a major flaw. This is what he says. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is using language that this church would be familiar to. He starts with rebuke, saying that they are not like the waters of Heropolis. They're not hot. They're not cold like the waters of Colossae, but they're lukewarm, and they are not worthy of them. These are harsh words. Like, imagine what Jesus is saying. I think we, some of us in this room, if we've grown up with a context of church, have heard these words before. But imagine what this actually means, is that they are damning words to say, hey, if I don't have all of you, if you're, if you're not with me, you're gone. Jesus would spit you out of his mouth. Excommunication from the very presence of God. So what is their sin? Why is this happening? Look at 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. The words of rebuke from Jesus of the churches is, you say, I have everything, I need nothing. Their sin is self-reliance. When they are faced with the vastness of a growing relationship with God, an admission of their inability to sanctify themselves, and a full, wholehearted, falling over your face love with the Savior of the universe, they say, I'm good. I, I I don't need that. The sin of the church is the sin of us as well. You and I don't see a need for Jesus beyond potentially salvation. You look at that Dunning-Kruger effect. We started with knowing nothing. Salvation happened, and then we're good. We've normalized excess, pride, consumption to the level that we cannot see a need that we ourselves cannot meet. We say, I was blind. Jesus healed me. I can take it from here. We look at our lives and say, and I want to say this, this isn't typically out loud that we say this, but we say it. I'm good at this living thing. But how does Jesus see them? That second half of 17. So, right, he says that you are, you, you say that you have everything, but then how does he see them, right? You're not realizing 
that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, and blind, and naked. He's looking at this church and saying, you think you know it, and you don't have it. You think you can do this, but you can't. This isn't a new problem in humanity. This isn't a new problem in, uh, in the church, in, in, in Christendom, in orthodoxy. This is a from the beginning of the world problem. Think of what Adam and Eve did as soon as they understood the knowledge of good and evil, right? What did they do? They made clothes for themselves. Because they said, no, no, no. I, you didn't tell me I was naked. I should be ashamed of that. I got this. The prophet Jeremiah says it this way in 2.13. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We have been shown the life and light of Jesus. Believe it as good enough for our salvation, but, have not, but it is not sustainable for our lives to have that level of devotion and reliance. A common phrase for this, and it's, it's like one of my favorite things, if you look at like inequality in the world, um, some people are born on third base and they think they hit a triple. We, we see Jesus as our Savior and we think that we were worthy of it. We overestimate our merit, our ability, and our holiness. So we're two verses in. Good, right? Are we doing good this morning? It's not looking good. If you look at this passage, do you see yourself? If you take a second and just to look at your life, priorities, your work, school, family, friends, struggles, temptations, sins, accomplishments, do you see yourself as the hero? As the sinner, the decider? Think of the last big decision you made. What methods did you use to make it? Church, the reason the Bible speaks so often about the sin of self-reliance is because humans are the worst at dependence. We're really, really, really bad at it. We think it's weak, and we think we know better. We are independent and don't need a Savior. Listen, I'm going to say this. I make a bad God because of this one reason. If I were him and you guys did this, we're done. Right? Like, I'm going to have it define the relationship and you're, you're out, right? That might be an older reference than I thought it would. Okay. DTR, no? Is that a thing anymore? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm cool. I'm hip. I get it. Uh, thanks, Julia. <laughs> it was lie to me. Uh, just say yeah, so I'll move on from trying to find what you kids say these days. Uh, but here's the thing, guys. This, this letter isn't only a rebuke. It's an invitation to the grace of Jesus Christ. 
right? Because, because God's given rebukes before where he didn't offer grace afterwards, and you know what happened to those people? They're gone. They're dead. So there is a mighty and powerful God who seeks a relationship with his children, and when he sees his children saying, I don't need you, Dad, he's going to call it out, but he's going to offer grace. And this morning, we want to spend most of our time on what does Jesus offer and how do we get it? Jesus sees us, as the end of 17 would say, not realizing that we are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So the invitation is simple from Jesus. The wealth that Jesus has makes you and I rich to the core. It's not a surface wealth. It's not lipstick on a pig, but transformational wealth that changes you and I from the inside out. It's recession-proof. And what is the source of that wealth? It's Jesus himself. Look at 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So contrasting that with 17, listen to this. 17 says that we're poor. 18 says buy gold refined by the fire. 17 would say that we're wretched pitiable and naked, 18 would say we buy gold, a pure, sorry, we buy uh, white garments, pure, undefiled, so that our shame is not seen anymore. 17 would say that we are blind. 18 would say we buy salve to anoint our eyes that we may see. Jesus is offering the source of true satisfaction. What Jeremiah uh, in chapter 2 said was a fountain of living water. His grace extends to you and I. He sees the way that we are living as stubborn children thinking that we know how to make ourselves holy. He sees how we've become a mixture of religious, religion, light, armchair therapists, and theologians seeing our cheap substitute surface wealth and success as approval from God. And Jesus is offering an upgrade that we would lay down our surface wealth, we would lay down what we would call prosperity, we would call independence and self-reliance for the deep to the core. Satisfying wealth found only in Jesus. Jesus' rebuke is grace-motivated. It's not a controlling personality yelling at us, but it's a father asking for his children to see true life. Look at 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline So be jealous, zealous, whoa, not jealous, and repent. Um, When I was a teenager, I wasn't a good kid. Uh, I don't know, yeah, like I wasn't. Uh, I, uh, my parents are here, so. uh, 
my parents are here with their friends who were friends with them when I was a teenager too. So I'm just, it wasn't great, all right? Um, but I, like, so here's the deal. Uh, I don't know if you see this here. I was a big kid growing up, right? And I played seventh grade football. Last year I played football, by the way, because you have to run in football. Uh, <laughs> But in seventh grade football, I was six foot, 210 pounds, and had all the ladies after me. Let me just tell you, why was that funny? Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> so here's the deal. Teenage Ryan thought, man, I look like a man. Bet you I should act like a man, too. I remember a time uh, that I was, like, particularly disrespectful to my mom, And my dad looks at me, grabs me by the shoulders, and pushes me against the wall. Dad's not abusive. Yes, you did. Uh, (laughs) And you know what he said to me? He says, you will not talk to my wife that way. (laughs) (laughs) You will not talk to my wife like that. Jesus Jesus starts with a harsh rebuke because his bride is being torn down. But like my dad, a godly man, he doesn't leave it at rebuke. But in his correction, my dad called me to a deeper understanding of family. And that's what Jesus is doing this morning, church. Jesus is saying, I will spit you out of my mouth because that's not my bride. But he's saying, if you are a part of the family, you need me. Jesus is calling for a deeper understanding of the family of God and a life that he wants for his bride. So we see the rebuke, the sin, the grace that Jesus offers, that he is giving us gold, garments. He's giving us the ability to see. But the question is, how? How do we do it? Um, In college, uh, I was trying to get a girlfriend. And... uh, so, so here's what I did. Uh, I met this girl, and she was tall. Uh, she had long brown hair. She laughed at my jokes. <laughs> and, and she was the, absolutely the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I, I believe that to this day. Like there, There's not even a, a, a girl on, in the world that would compare to her beauty. So one night, we kind of melded with the same group of friends. So one night, I uh, approached her and I said, hey, all of our friends are going to Baskin-Robbins. They weren't. (laughs) Um, And they're all going separately from us because they are kind of doing something else. So I I could take you. We could drive in the Ford Focus, you and I, together. She, I, anyway, she even, like, asked my friends, are you guys going to Beth Harlan's? Like, they didn't want to mess with Ryan's game. So they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll see you there. Uh, they, 
My friends have my back on this one, right? Uh, always got good wingman, right? Everybody needs that. Um, so uh, we go to Baskin Robbins, and at Baskin Robbins, I had exactly $3 in my pocket. No Venmo, right? No smartness of phones or anything like that. Uh, I was in Florida, way away from my parents. I couldn't even tell my dad, hey, I want to take a girl out. Can you give me some money? Because I had none. Uh, and so what I said to her was, yeah, I'm still deciding. Why don't you go ahead and order? So she orders probably something chocolate because she loves chocolate. And then goes, and she goes to pay. And I was like, oh, no, baby, I got this. I got this. Pull out my $3. Set it there. She's like, are you going to get anything? I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. Lie. Uh, <laughs> was very hungry. Uh, so we take her ice cream. We go there uh, the, at our college. There's in the middle, there's like a fountain and a statue and, and kind of sat there. And we talked. Like all night talked. And, and my college I went to, we had a curfew until 1 a.m. We had to go to bed. It was great. And then the next day, we we talked. We talked more and more. Um, there's a lot else that happened, but a few days later, I, in one of these talk sessions that we ended with, I remember just saying, like, hey, are, are we, we going to make this, like, are we boyfriend and girlfriend now, right? Uh, listen, I mean, like, without ruining the rest of the story, it's the last time I ever had that conversation with somebody, so I think it turns out well, okay? This is an awkward conversation, right? <laughs> All right, so she said yes, and I remember dropping her off at her dorm room and walking away, and I hear all of her and her roommates screaming because they're so excited, or they really think she made a bad choice. One of the two, there's a lot of screams. But here's the deal. I still, to this day, 18 years later, only want to spend time with this woman because in my deep centered love for my wife now I only want to know her so Jesus Jesus is offering to you and to me a life where he provides gold clothing the ability for us to see. He provides not rebuke from his mouth, but that we would be a part of him. And Jesus, Jesus calls us to know him. Look at Revelation 19. We're going to look at that second part. So he says this, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Uh, I was reading uh, an article by John Piper about this. And so his, the title of his sermon uh, was, how, how do you buy gold if you're poor? And the application point for him, and we're going to get into it, was we open the door and we have dinner with Jesus. 
Church, you and I, uh, we, right now we're in the middle of this three-week series on seeing Jesus together. We believe here at Free City that we, we, we hear the words of God, we read the word, we study the word, we meditate on the word, we memorize the word. Why do we do that? Because the word of God was around before the foundations of the world. Because the word of the living God is living and active. And when the words of God are uttered, life is created. So we're going to focus for the next just couple minutes on how can we develop a, a system to buy gold from Jesus, right? Um, I, I will say this. Um, we're, we're going to talk what's called spiritual disciplines, and hopefully that's like, gross. Uh, spiritual disciplines are great. If you want, I'm going to talk about like one aspect of it. If you want to know more about it, um, I, recently I just read this book, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. N- it's good. It's a good book uh, because it's like really approachable and then it, you, it's a good starting place if you've never studied spiritual disciplines and then you can go to other books around there. But I, I would just plug this. It's, it's quick read, very quick read. So, so we're talking about reading the Word of God and reading the Word of God not just as an academic exercise, but how are we experiencing the Word of God that would roll up into adoration and love that would actually affect the temperature of our souls to go to the source of gold, clothing, and seeing. The goal isn't just to read the Bible. The goal is to grow our affections for Jesus. We count the cost to utter, uh, and utter reliance on the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We believe that the Bible is inspired. God breathed living, the living word, unlike any other book out there. It bubbles up like a fresh spring living water that hearing the word, hearing the word of God, like we're doing this morning, here at Free City, we believe that that would stir up affections. We pray that that would stir up affections. That in your personal life, as you hear the word of God um, exp- uh, kind of proclaimed, man, that we would, we would feel something different, better than a political speech, better than a, a, a Super Bowl parade, better than any of that, that we would see life change. that we read the Word of God. It would reveal the vastness of God's order in the world that we are all in. That studying the Word of God would show us that the central figure of the Bible is not ourselves, but Jesus. And through nuance and robust ways, He reveals Himself over and over and over again. That meditating on the word would allow us the word to reveal to our hearts and intentions that we would see Jesus interacting with the scripture in us. That we would see our lives melding together. That we would meditate on the word, God, what would you have today? That memorizing we would instill us a wellspring of life so that we can hide his words in our heart And when we face temptation like Jesus, we have the sword to fight sin. I love how this passage ends. Because, and we're going to, this passage has a warning and a promise wrapped into it. So look at 21. And the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I conquer, also conquered and sat with my Father on his throne. 
There is, um, and we'll just pause right there. Like, there is an understanding. And, and Jesus is kind of saying it, that, that this conversation of your temperature, hot, cold, lukewarm, this, this conversation of your temperature is not a one-time only conversation. That if you and I want to make it to the end, we need to constantly be asking Jesus, Jesus, will you take away those things that divert my affection for you? The Word of God is a great place to start with that because what you hear and you see, you see stories of guys who did the opposite of that, who said, I've got it, and you see what happens to their lives. But you also see the story of God's faithfulness to those who cry out to Him, seeking a life in His Word. If you read the Psalm 119, it is a very long psalm of David just expounding on how much he loves the Word of God. Constantly in David's life, he was up and he was down, up and he was down, but often, and it's throughout all 150 psalms, right? Often he goes and he says, God, I need to go back to your Word. I need to go back to your Word. His deep-rooted truth of who Jesus is, who God is, was rooted in the Word. So in 21, he says, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on a throne. To conquer, we have to be the last one in the battle. And to do that, God sustains us through his word. The reason that we read the Bible, the reason that we um, practice spiritual disciplines is to grow our affection and adoration towards Jesus. How do you and I prevent ourselves from being the church of Laodicea? We count the cost. We see Jesus, following Jesus as more valuable than following after anything else. In John 6, uh, Jesus, after he feeds the 5,000, people came back to him and they asked for food and asked for food. And he took it as a great teaching tool to say, hey, if you want real food, it's me. And then people kind of got weird about that and left. But then there was another group of people there, and they asked him, what did you mean by that? And he says, you literally have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, because no one gets to the Father except through me, so consume all that I am. And people said, that's kind of weird. And they left. So all that's there is the twelve. And Jesus looks at the twelve, and this is what he says in 67. Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Church, this is sad, but Jesus' call is not to everyone. And to follow his call would mean that everything else is seen as a waste compared to the vastness of knowing him. The promise of the church in Laodicea is to the one who what? Conquers. Matthew 24, 13 says that the one who endures to the end will be saved. There is a, a not just a, like, look at the Dunning-Kruger effect, not just Jesus saved, boom, but it's like, God, how are you continually working out my salvation with me? 
And it's not up here. It's down here in confession of sin. It's down here in feeling the depths of your humanity, but then feeling the grace of your Lord that says, I'm better than that. I can take you out of that. Church, my, my prayer this morning is that you and I can feel confident. That you and I can feel confident that Jesus is a better way. That you and I can feel confident that knowing Jesus is better than knowing anything else. That you and I can feel confident that if saying yes to Jesus means that you and I are poor in the world. We don't have influence in the world. It means that you and I might not care about the same things and might be outcasts in the world, that it's worth it. Because you and I are really bad at knowing what to do all the time. You and I are really, really, really bad at knowing what's going to get us to the end. Paul, in 2 Timothy, was saying similar things to Timothy. And, and this is what he says, that it's just like, God, just let this be real in this moment. I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I, I know that there is no woman out there that would compare to my wife, and I wouldn't even want to consider it. Even more, I want to be more convinced that there is no system of belief out there that even touches being known by the one true God and knowing him. And God has given us his living word that we might experience him, that we might be brought in to him, that we might have our affections stirred. Jesus is knocking at the door this morning, church. Are we going to eat with them? We're going to sit down in an intimate, candlelit room where he pours out his words to us. Do you believe that this morning? This morning we have a few directions that we're going to go in. Um, yeah, I think it's appropriate. Like Jesus talks about himself as the living word of God. That the, the, and we don't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? Jesus said those words, quoting those words. So this morning, if, if you love Jesus, if you're, if you're there, if you want that reminder that there is, there is bread and, and, and blood, that that is the only way that we are saved is through the life and, and, and body of Jesus, then I, I invite you to come this morning. If you're in a place, and maybe this is all of us, and so maybe we'll just delay coming down for a little bit, I don't know. But if you're in a place that when asking this question, there's something that says, I think I might be lukewarm in this. I think I think I know what I need to do, but I'm not doing anything Jesus wants me to do. I'm going to make a suggestion. 
One is we have prayer team behind the black curtains if you want to pray with somebody about that. Um, also, most of us are sitting next to people this morning. And it, it would be, it'd be cool that if just the person you're sitting next to, you just say, hey, will you, will you pray for me real quick? I, I want to take that body, but I want it to mean something. And, and, and I just need to be convinced. Jesus, would you show me that you're bigger than everything this moment? So I would just suggest that this morning. There's a few different directions that we can do. The, the music's going to be playing. It's going to sound amazing. Um, and, and really, whatever you're doing, nobody really cares. Uh, deal with Jesus. Let's pray. God, would, would you just in these next few moments give us uh, open ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What is God, God, what is your Spirit saying to us in this moment? Would you show us how that we can stir up our affections for you that only you can give us life. Only you are worth any of this. Only you. God, we just ask that you, God, as we take communion as we pray with our brothers and sisters, as we take time to worship you. Uh, my biggest prayer is that for me, it'd be real. That in this moment, I would be convinced that you are more precious than anything else in all of creation that in these moments we would be convinced that it's you. And then, God, tomorrow morning, same thing. Would we just take that in the day by day to confess, to open ourselves to you. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas, please visit our website at fcclawrence.com.